BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. The Elvis Brothers, Presley and Costello. What in the world? (laughs) For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we, we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody. I'm Rob Benedict. And I go by the moniker Richard Spade Jr. And we're going to be talking about season two, episode 22, the grand finale, part two, All Hell Breaks Loose. All Hell Breaks Loose, part two, for our French friends. That's right. All right. So we're live streaming our review of this episode and doing a little Q&A. So if you haven't yet, please consider joining Patreon to enjoy bonuses like this. You can't imagine the thrill of seeing Rob and Rich review in real time. That's a lot of ours, but I mean everything I just said. <laughs> in real join rhyme. Patreon. Join Patreon, won't you, and be a part of the fun. That's right. And thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. And uh, be sure to check out some of your sponsors. Some of your sponsors. Is that what that's supposed to say? Maybe they're all in some sort of support group and need to check in with their sponsors. <laughs> hey, everybody check in with your sponsor. <laughs> or our sponsors. I mean, because we have sponsors and we want you to support right. our sponsors because our sponsors support us. So check in with your sponsor. Be sure it's cool with your sponsor <laughs> if you check in with our sponsors. And if it is, check in with our sponsors, won't you? Check in with the sponsors.
This is the time of the program where Rob Benedict does his signature summary. Robbie, show the people what you do and summarize this son of a bee. All right. Last we left him, Sam was dead, right? Ah! Yeah. Come on, man. Why don't you right. slow roll me into this? That's that's a wow. Well, he Dude. was dead. If you watch part one, he's dead. He's dead at the end. Dean isn't taking it well. He's Ooh. refusing to eat. Bobby tries to talk Dean into burying Sam and joining him for a while. Bobby thinks some end of the world stuff is going down and Dean should work with him to investigate it. Dean doesn't care and tells Bobby to leave him alone. In Dean's defense, there's a dead body right behind him when this conversation is happening. So maybe maybe it's a tad early to hop in a car and drive off. Just Yeah, right. It is like, let the man grieve. Meanwhile, the yellow-eyed demon blackmails Jake to work with him or his family will suffer. Yeah, yes. Okay, so Dean summons a crossroads demon and makes a deal to bring Sam back to life. Yeah. However, she gets Dean's soul after one year. That's, that's not that's a lot of time. Year. I mean, that's like, you feel like there's a lot of time when you're younger, but the older you get, one year is like a blip, right. you know? Yeah. And that was the same crossroads demon as before, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. She looked a little different. I guess it's been a year. Are you going to say something creepy? Because I can no, tell you're no, 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 no. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Okay. La, la. Sam wakes up not knowing that he died. Dean tells him that Bobby was able to fix him up. Sam wants to track Jake down right away. They head yeah, to man. Bobby's. He got an edge, uh, a little axe to grind. Yeah, yeah. He got a knife in the back. He wants to, you know, say what's up with that. Yeah. When they get there, Bobby's suspicious of what happened. He knows Sam died, but he keeps his mouth shut. Ellen shows up. What? Ellen shows up. She didn't die at Harvell's at the fire, you know. She was out getting pretzels. It would sound, sounds like you're making a joke, but she actually was out getting that's, pretzels. That's what she said, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bobby makes her drink a, a shot of holy water to make sure she isn't a demon. And she downs that, and then she says, give me whiskey. You know what? That's a she smart down- move. Note to self, yeah. next time I hang out with you, we're, we're pre-gaming <laughs> with a shot of holy water. Because some of the things you've been doing of late, you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Uh, she shares a map of Wyoming with the team. <laughs> so I thought that was an odd p- point to just say like, hey, have you been to Wyoming? <laughs> uh, on it, X marks five abandoned churches originally built by Samuel Colt. They are connected by iron railroad tracks, creating a giant devil's trap. At the center of it is an old graveyard. And the team knows there must be something important here. Something Samuel Colt didn't want to get out. Right. The yellow-eyed demon meets with Jake and gives him the Colt to use as a key to open a crypt. Jake heads to the graveyard. Upon getting there, he is quickly surrounded by Sam, Dean, Bobby, and Ellen. The gang. Jake's abilities have evolved since Sam last saw him. Jake is able to use mind control to get Ellen to point a gun at herself and for the rest of the group to put their guns on the ground. Right. Jake unlocks the crypt, but then Sam shoots him several times, killing him. He really goes at it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, all right, we got it, Sam. We got it. Yeah. Uh, Dean removes the cult, but the crypt erupts with demons, spirits, and ghosts. All hell has breaking loose. Had breaking? So breakin when you loose. when you started to learn English, when you decided, you know, English seems like an interesting language, I should study that. Were you, what, 35, 36? <laughs> all hell has breaking loose? Literally, the title My of the bad. episode, <laughs> all hell breaks loose. But in Let the me correct case, myself. All be... hell has breaked loose. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Bobby, and Ellen rush to try and close the doors of the Devil's Gate. That's what I call one of my son's bedrooms, the Devil's Gate. <laughs> the yellow-eyed demon arrives, flings Dean against a headstone, and snatches the colt from him. He thanks Dean for bringing Sam back to life sure. and prepares to shoot him. When suddenly the ghost of John Winchester arrives! Oh, yeah. 
Evil spirits and ghosts weren't the only things to escape from hell when the gate was open. No, hot actors also got hot out. Hot actors, yeah. Uh, John wrestles the yellow-eyed demon to the ground. Oh, man, I, how much would you like to be that yellow-eyed demon? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> Dean now has the colt and shoots the demon, finally killing him. John says goodbye to the boys in a teary farewell once again. Yeah. Sam realizes the deal Dean must have made to bring him back and promises to do whatever it takes to save Dean's soul. Yeah, time for the younger brother to become the older brother, right? That's right. That's right. The student becomes the teacher. Yeah. However, an army of demons has now been unleashed, and the war is just beginning. Wow. How, I mean, at this point, we, we talked about this last night, but uh, I, I thought this, this show had good 13 more seasons in it, but it feels like it's about over. No, I think when Sam died, that's it. I assume that's all there is for Supernatural. It's been a treat, everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's been fun. Bye. Good run. Okay, let's get into it. Let's just do R and R's R, or more liberally translated, Robin, Robin Rich's review. review. All right, Robbie, dive in. I mean, you almost want to look talk about part one and part two together, but... uh. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, I, I was not prepared that Dean would have to bring Sam back from the dead. I didn't know what was going to happen, but a lot of, again, a lot of heavy hitters in this one, all-star cast, and uh, yeah, did not disappoint. I mean, it was a big, huge finale. It screamed finale. It did. I, I, I think, it was, again, the two-parter episode was super powerful and effective. I know Supernatural always says to be continued, but this was actually a to be continued. Yeah. And this ending of part one, with Jensen cradling Jared and he's screaming, you know, the heavens, why, or whatever he's saying, yeah. Sammy, such right. great acting. And again, we yeah. resume with that beat. Yeah. A, a dumb question, but like, that's intense moment. Would they have shot that whole thing at the same time? Or did they really like go away and bring a new director in and resume that scene? I don't know. It feels yeah. like they would have I, just shot that whole thing. That'd, that'd be a question I'd ask a director. If only we, we had one on the line we don't right know. now. We don't know him. But it was such a well-done episode, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it, it, the acting was fantastic. You know, Jensen, again, pulling out all the stops, just being so emotionally torn up. And the scene with him and Jim Beaver, several good scenes with him and Jim Beaver. And hey, and let's let's give Jim Beaver credit, really bringing it too. Like 100%, that's what I'm going to say. Him outside. That, that, yeah. That scene, okay, so the scene with when he's saying, hey, man, eat some chicken, blah, 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 great scene. But then, man, when he when he figures out just the looks that Jim Beaver gives when he opens the door. Yeah, totally. Oh, like, dude, Dean, what have you done? Wait, what have you done, Dean? Your Jim Beaver sounds like your Dean. Sorry, <laughs> what have you done, Dean? There you go. Um, you know, you know what the thing is, Jensen. Okay, there was there was some acting in here that I want to call out specifically when he's by himself talking to Dead Sam. Yeah, that's, that's a great moment. That is not easy to do. You're not playing off anybody. You're just churning up whatever emotion you got stored in you to, yep. to create something grounded and real. And it was just so good. And yeah. then not to leave Jared out, when Jared comes to and is like, oh, huh. Yeah. Like his sort of balance of Al and where the hell am I? The confusion plus the sort of battle-weary energy is just great. And as he sort yeah. of tries to slowly piece together the puzzle, it, yeah, it's so well done. Yep, and then Jim Beaver again, like you said, his his look to Dean is daggers shooting daggers at Dean, just going because he's thinking, yeah, "What have you messed with? You made a deal, you know right. what?" What and uh, pulls him outside and shoves him, shoves him back. Right, uh, a little physicality. And, yeah, and uh, that I think that's great. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously uh, Samantha Ferris. Well, I was gonna it. say, let's, let's get to our, our our little cavalcade of great guest stars. Yeah. 
Samantha Ferris, Great. Aldous Hodge, movie star Aldous Hodge, Killing movie it. star Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Killing it. And Freddie Lane, who literally Lane. is so good. Great. And, and every episode, but this time he really gets to do a bunch of scenes. Good grief, he's good in that show. And he's he's the first uh, uh, big bad that we really had in the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Season one really didn't have an overall big bad. Uh, it was, well, it was, I guess it was the yellow eyed demon that we hadn't really met yet till the end. No, really, we hadn't met him till the beginning of this season. Yeah. So, yeah, no, he's great. One other thing I was going to say um, is the effects. I thought the effects were really good at the end. Do you remember exactly what Jeffrey Dean Morgan told us about that? that that's yeah. the scene that they yeah, shot. Yeah, that's the scene that they had to shoot separately. And if you look at that scene, you can kind of tell there's some green screen green work. Green screen going some, on, yeah. There's some singles that are definitely green screen. So I think him grabbing the Smoky Demon and Freddie Lane and wrestling with that Smoky Demon was shot independently of the other two dudes, or on a, it was shot weeks later somewhere else, not on location. Right. Um, so was the scene was after Freddie Lane dies and he's with the he's like face to face with Jensen? I think that's all. I think Jensen and Jared are with him at that point, but they're all on a green screen. They're not in the original location. Amazing though. Right, because yeah, you gotta mid, like as, as as an actor or as a watcher, you have to remember that they're pulling some real emotion, and they're standing in front of a green screen. And, and they <laughs> yeah. did it weeks later. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you, you really can't tell the acting is is seamless there. You know, you bring up the effects, and that's one of the things I was going to say. That's a real testament to the show. This is not a slight on Ivan and his crack team because technology moves at a breakneck pace and things improve over time. Obviously, sort of the. The demons, this, the swell of black smoke coming out of the gate of hell is amazing. Done today it would be even more amazing. I mean, like, you know, there's a little bit of like, a little bit of like, eh, you know, you can see where effects have progressed. But at no point do I ever watch what Supernatural does and go, oh, I'm now no longer connected to what's going on. Like, it doesn't matter. No, it's a, it never the, takes the, me out of it. No, the, the, the acting is so great. The story is so great. The directing, again, this was Kim Manners. It's so well done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. That opening shot that kind of starts on Sam and kind of booms down and comes around and lands across his face to Jensen yeah. and Jim. It's just beautiful. beautiful yeah, shooting. and all the really, uh, the close-ups. You know, did you notice that? Like, some, he has some really intense close-ups yeah. between Jim and Dean and Sam. It was great, and I thought some, uh, bringing Samantha Ferris's character into this episode was a strong choice. I thought she was great. a great asset to this, yeah. like, four horsemen of the apocalypse kind of vibe, you know? And she's still alive. And she's still alive. It was nice to reveal. Yeah. Uh, which I had a hunch when I saw her name in the credits, but I also... No, but I mean, uh, but I mean at the end of the episode... I'm thinking we're going to see more of Sam Ferris moving forward. Yeah, I would, I would think so. She seems to be a real crucial part of the show. And of course, as fans know who listen to this podcast, Rob and I have no clue. We have right. no clue because we don't uh, watch the show. So it's all news to us. That's right. So along those lines, I have a question. Yeah. Are we going to see some after effects of the fact that Sam was brought back to the, from the dead? You know what I mean? There, there, was, there was something in that, the way that he shot Jake and he kind of kept it going. Well, don't forget the LOI demon even said, like, are you sure that's all 100% pure Sammy in there? You know, he right. made that comment to Dean. And right. you got to think there's something. I mean, for example, I just flew to Los Angeles last night. It's, I've, been, I've been on the ground for hours. I'm still a little bloated. You know what I mean? So definitely right. there's some after effects. Right, right. Travel, right. You know, right. I don't know. For me, it's probably right. the peanuts. For right. uh, Sammy, it could be, I don't know, some unholy uh, energy. I don't right. know. Right. Well, I, I hope he's wearing compression socks. Lord knows I was. All right. Let's get to the beards. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to beard it out right now. And I, I think people are probably tired of hearing my beard reviews because they've gotten not in season one, they were all over the map. My facial hair was, was coming and going and fluctuating and 
heck, I had some, you know, big beers. I had some small beers. But season two has been a run of just mm, a lot of furry reviews from Rich Bate. And this review is no exception. I cannot pick apart this episode and find a negative. It was just so solidly done from writing to directing to acting from the, our leads, Jared and Jensen and Jim, to our guest stars, Sam Aldis and, and Fred, and then Jeffrey Dean Morgan, obviously. It's just an, oh, and, and young lady who plays the demon, the, cro- the yeah. Crossroads Demon is fantastic. You know, just just a great episode of TV, expertly executed. It gets a Chris Stapleton full beard from this guy. Full Stapleton. Full Stapleton for Rich. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, same with me. I, I sound like a, a broken record, but it's a solid episode. I, I I just echo everything that you said, it, and and honestly, it's I'm I'm moved when I watch it. It still moves me. I'm not watching it going. Oh, this is dated. No, dude, it's not dated. It speaks to you know the framework of the show is built to not feel dated. It's incredibly well helmed in terms of just overall by Eric Kripke. It's incredibly well written and directed. This episode and all episodes for the most part. Yeah. And Jared and Jensen are just flipping great actors, man. They're just yeah. really good. They are not your typical TV turnout. Yeah, the, that that kind of thing by rote young adult television stars. Like they were actors. They are they are they are movie stars, whatever caliber you want to say. They are great actors, and they d- deliver such great performances here. Again, yeah. yeah. So uh, I you know, I'm going to give it the full uh, the full seventies groomed, well groomed. Do we know? Have we seen? Have we sent pictures? Do people know what we're talking about when we? Well, who got to say the person's name? Uh, Lo- Loggins, Kenny Loggins, right? Full you. full Loggins from the seventies. Seventies Loggins. Seventies Loggins. Uh, shirt unbuttoned. That's 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 what I'm giving full logins. All right, everybody, we're very excited about our guest. She was such a huge part of, of season two. I've known her for a while. It's really a, a joy to have her on the show. Um, she played Ellen Harville for nine episodes of Supernatural. Other TV credits include R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour, V, and The 4400. Recent credits include Devil in Ohio and Batwoman. Please welcome Samantha Ferris. Hello, Samantha. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. You know, um, so Sam, you and I met at one of my very first conventions. I think we were in, it was in England. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a while ago now, yeah. Yeah, me, you, and Lindbergh, Chad Lindbergh. Yeah, that's right. Ash, the guy that played and, Ash. And somebody, and maybe Pellegrino or somebody else. Anyway, it was only like four of us. Oh, my God. That is a long time ago. Yeah. Jared and Jensen weren't there. No, no, no. It was just like us four uh, people off the bench. And uh, anyway, that that was my first memory of you. And so I always feel like you're one of my first touchstones of Supernatural. Yeah, that's right. That goes back a long way, especially if the boys weren't there. Yeah. Uh, when was that? Do you remember what, what year that like was? 2000. 2008, 2009. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what year I started. I know a year, I started year two, but what year did you start? You didn't start till after me, right? I started year four, season yeah. four, yeah. Needless to say, I hadn't really seen the bulk of your work until just now. Rich and I are watching it in real time, and um, you're so great and such an integral part of the show. So it's, it was really fun to see that you're, everything you did in season two. Was really uh, you know what? The reason they brought us into season two, just to give you a little backstory, is they yeah. needed, they'd done season one and like nobody kind of, Supernatural was unheard of. Like when I auditioned for this, they said, you know, this show and I'm like, Super what? Who? What? What's what? And then I looked at it and went, oh, a couple of hot dudes from Texas. Oh, and Supernatural sure. stuff. Oh, okay. I get it. But nobody knew what it was. And they sort of did the first season 
And they realized that they didn't have a whole lot of maternal. They didn't have a whole lot of tits and veg on the show. They needed way more femininity to it. And so they went, oh, what do we do? What do we do? So at the beginning of season two, they kind of went, okay, we need to bring into some femininity. Their mom's already dead. She's the only, you know, there's a couple of females. So they said, let's bring in sort of a mom figure. And then let's bring in, you know, maybe a love interest for one of them. And just to even that out, let's bring in a freak savant and, you know, make him kind of the comedic relief. As you know, the comedy on the show is is great. And so that's how we were born. That's how me, Ash and Joe came onto the show was we were sort of needed for something and we jumped in at that point in time. So let me ask you this. How did it come to be that you personally, Sam, as an actress, got involved? Like, like did this come to you in just random audition? Did you know somebody in the show? How, what was your origin story as far as your involvement? Well, I'm in Vancouver, right? So, and the sad thing is that we get a little frustrated with is not a lot of big roles come out of Vancouver. For some reason, producers, and I don't know why, I think it's getting better, but producers, you know, think that we still live in igloos, I guess. I don't know. They just don't think that a lot of Canadians, especially then, they didn't think a lot of Canadians could act. And American producers were a little nervous about bringing in some of the bigger roles from a lo- as a local. They wanted to bring them up from the States. So they had to read us for the legal reasons to show our union that they tried to find the character up here. They did read a bunch of people, fully not expecting to hire anybody from here. And I just popped because, you know what, I, you either love me or hate me. I either totally work for a show or I totally don't just because my energy is so strong. My voice is so strong. I come across like a bull in a china shop and, you know, they kind of went, it was one of those, they kind of, you know, they're all looking down at their notes and it was one of those double take. Hey, wait a second. Let's watch this one. They kind of went, wait, there's Ellen right there. And it was, it was a given. And the great thing about hiring me a Canadian is they don't have to fly me up. They didn't have to put me in a hotel. So it was like a win all around. They're like, we found Ellen. She's in Vancouver and this woman is perfect for it. And that the rest is history. That's great. How quick was that turnaround? Uh, and I'm always fascinated by sort of the audition stories. There's all the, always the, I read for it. And four months later, I got a call. Or that afternoon, they walked me to wardrobe. Like, how was how the arc for that? I, I think mine was pretty normal. It was probably, hey, you read for it. Hey, they like you. I don't even think I read again. I think they just went, I think within probably 10 days, seven to 10 days. Because those are bigger roles, right? And I think they were anticipating that they were going to hire people from the States. So they were giving it time. And they went, oh. There she is. We found her. Never mind. Knock that one off the list. Let's move on to the next one. So it was pretty quick. I think it was about a week. And then they went, hey, can you watch this? Here, we're going to send you the first season of the show. Can you watch it? And I was like, really? The show about Supernatural? And okay, whatever. So I watched. So I started watching and I'm like, hey, A, this isn't bad. B, smoking hot dudes. C, do I get to make out with Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Because, of course, we all <laughs> watched uh, Grey's Anatomy and he was yeah. Denny the hot guy. And I'm thinking, right on. I must be hooking up with her dad. Um, and, you know, it was just it was actually a really well done show. And I think the part of the reason that the show is does so well is it really hits so many boxes. It's got mute. It's got great classic rock. It's got yeah. some great acting. It's got some great characters. The writing is brilliant. The comedy is so there. They don't take themselves too seriously, which I think was really key to the show. You know, the two leads are hot and they come across as nice guys because they are nice guys, as we all know. Yeah. So I think it just was one of those shows that that's why it went. That's my, when everybody asked me, why do you think it went 15 years? I'm like, for that exact reason, that it was sure. just a combination of so many 
excellent things. So yeah. I ended up watching one or two and then I just watched a whole bunch and I got scared. I saw the, I'm like stupid show. I'm, you know, whatever I was at the time, late thirties. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I put the, turn the lights on for bloody Mary uh-huh. and laughed at myself. I'm like, this is actually pretty scary. Yeah. No, it's really lightning in a bottle. That show. It really was everything. Really, really lined up. It. It did really you is. know at the beginning when you got the role, did you know it was going to be this recurring part? Well, can I dish a little bit? Can I talk dirt about the CW or that they are sponsored or something? No. No, they're not sponsored. Okay, I go good. to town. Here's the sad part about this, and it broke my heart, but you know what? This is television. When Supernatural, when I started, season two Supernatural at the very beginning was still owned, and you may remember this, by the WB. Now, the WB is gone. It was Warner Brothers, and then it became the WB. The CW was just buying all the shows that were on that, all the young shows, you know, Gossip Girl and all the really Smallville. CW was kind of new and it was coming in and it had a a reputation for young, hot, good looking kids. Right. And so we've got a contract. So I think they, they gave the contract to, I think me, Alona, I think uh, Jim Beaver was getting a contract at that time too. I think he'd already been on, but obviously he had, but he, you know, they gave, they were like, yep, we're going to sign you to a multi deal. The roadhouse is going to be a thing, blah, 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 blah. And right as we were like literally pen in hand, right about to sign the piece of paper and the CW swooped in and went, because they were just taking over. They went, yeah, no, she's way too old. No way. And I'm like, I'm only nine years older than Alona. But you know what I mean? Like they looked yeah. at me and went, you are not our demographic. You're a grandmother to our demographic. So they ripped my contract out. I think they ripped Jim Beavers out, but his worked out, I think, because he was too old, too. I don't and I don't think they continued with Alona. So we did have a like a OK, you guys can do this many and this is the guarantee and this is per episode. And right, right at the last minute, they just ripped that piece of paper out and went, oh, yeah, man, we'll just go by episode. And we were like, what are you going to do? Right. 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 Well, and then it changed it changed to the CW this season, right? The season two was that on the like CW? Like literally while I think we came in at episode two, I think right then they wow. were inking the deal. Or they'd already inked it. They inked it right at the beginning of season two, you know, before the first episode. Yeah. That would make more sense. And yeah, right then and there. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because as first time viewers of this early seasons, I didn't realize how what a cornerstone the roadhouse was to this show. Like suddenly there's this giant set, there's this giant universe. They, you know, they're like, it's a, what you said, I think you used the term touchstone for the boys are going to come and go from this yeah. place. There are, you know, you got the guy giving you the information. You got the, the hunter who has the relationship with the dad, you know, you know, like there's all this backstory that's built into it. Yeah. yeah. Really shocking how well built the, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be whatever men of letters became yeah. seven years later. It's going to be the hub. Yeah. It did, and then, and, it was, know, and then they burned it down. I was like, I, I was so shocked. I was like, "What? No, that can't be." No, what? You know and Lindbergh died. Lindbergh dies like that. I'm like, "What? Lindbergh's dead." I know. And do you know how much money they spent on that set? A boatload. I mean, it t- took them weeks and weeks wow. to set it all up. And and you know, we really were there to fill a, a you know a female niche. We needed to. And then Lindbergh was right. like, "We really." They thought about us. They didn't just go, "Let's bring in a couple of female characters." They went, "Look, we need a mom role because their mom's dead." There's Nikki and there's, you know, or Meg Masters, but they needed some more. So we really were there to fill a gap. And we went longer, I guess, than we thought. It just didn't end up being, yeah, you're going to do so many. It was like here, there, and everywhere. And so we trailed on and 
And I think what brought us back so much was the fans, because I think these guys, these writers and producers were one of the first shows to really listen to the fans and what the fans had to say. That's from well, from yeah. my experience, like shows yeah. now totally listen to the fans. And now there's platforms and media everywhere. But this is a long time ago now. This is what, 15 years ago. Was this 15? Yeah, it's like 15 years ago now. They didn't have real, um, you know, Twitter. I, I don't know. If, yeah, I guess it was a thing, but it wasn't a big thing. There was Facebook and there was kind of nothing else. Now there were so many different ways to contact writers and producers and people that put the show together that they have to listen to the fans. And I think part of the reason that Alona and I stayed was, I think the fans, they first, they hated Alona because any love interest to sure. Jared Jensen, you know, you were the antichrist. Like you, she, I, I still feel that way, but that's, oh that's my me. God. You, you know, I mean, <laughs> exactly. I, I want, I want to know that I have a you shot. You want to know that you had a <laughs> yeah. shot? Yeah, you want to know that you had a shot. Yeah, you may, maybe, maybe, although they're married now with kids, so good luck with that. Whatever, but you know what I'm saying? They, they really hated her. Like, we got hate mail for that. And then finally, Jesus. they let Alona go, and they kind of went, okay, we can get on board with this Ellen chick, because I was proving myself, and I could, you know, I was a gun-toting, beer-drinking, yeah. salt-slinging broad. They kind of yeah. went, yeah, okay, we can do this. And they loved Ash, because Ash, who can't, he's my favorite character, so who can't yeah. love him? So we ended up going quite far, but in the end... You know how it all goes. Yeah, you know yeah. how it all goes. So right now we're talking about the season finale, part two of All Hell Breaks Loose. And you're an integral part of really the climax of the entire season. Do you remember what it was like on set with the yellow-eyed demon? And was was that, you know, set up for you guys as actors in terms of the weight of that? Yeah. And, and were you aware of where, where the series would go from there? Did you have any idea about that? No, because it was, you know, it was the season finale. It was a cliffhanger. And as I said, the CW, they kept the, their cards pretty close to their chest because they didn't want to promise anybody. But I right. thought, there's no way I'm not coming back at least once because you can't just go from being the four that closed the gates of hell to disappearing. But who knew? But so at that point in time, no, I had no idea. They hadn't, they didn't tell us anything until probably, you know, three weeks before probably season three. They might've said, hey, is she around? Blah, 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 blah. No, right. we had no idea. That episode, I remember, yeah, Fred Lane, who's the guy that- yeah. Fred Lane, yeah, Fred yeah, Lane. Yeah, played the yellow-eyed demon. I do remember they had those things in his eyes. They had the contacts in his eyes. And it's a really, it was a really dark set. It was a huge stage. They made the whole stage that graveyard. And oh, it was that was so, a stage. Oh yeah, that was on the stage. And that makes sense. It was so dark. That we couldn't even see. So Fred's got these cat eyes in and they're completely, he can't see anything. So they've got to basically lead him around to where he's got to stand. Like he's, and you know, and he's looking this way and they're like, Fred, and he's like, yeah. And they're like, no, no, over here. He's like, oh, like he just, it was wow. hilarious because he just wow. couldn't see anything. So they'd have to leave him to where he had to stand and then say, okay, you're going to be looking that way. Like just stand there. Don't, you know, don't move. And they'd have to do that because it was huge and it was you know, dirt and like they must have trucked in. I don't know how much dirt that they trucked wow. in trees. And I mean, the money, I think by then they were starting to catch on. I think people were starting to dig it. So I think the budget obviously went up because it was huge. It was, you know, an entire back 50 was brought in there. I don't know why yeah. they didn't do it outside because they could have. Maybe well, I think that Vancouver weather, I mean, like if you're going to control that scene and shoot yeah. that scene and have any sort of say about, the, the set like building that mausoleum you might not even be able to build something on an actual graveyard you know what i mean like i feel like vancouver is just not reliable for the weather as you no. know as no, a local yes. and i feel like if they want to control that you'd have to yeah you know. i guess so and they did have a lot of stuff in that 
in there and they use different corners of it for different night scenes so like it was a, one stage but it was sort of like four sets and they were like 10 feet apart you know if he shot the camera this way it was the conversation that they first had where you know blah 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 and over here and then they go outside for the actual train tracks but then they brought the train tracks in and did night on the train tracks inside so yeah yeah. So Rich, right. that didn't, I mean, it is, I mean, now that I think about it, it's one of the only scenes all season where it's not raining, but I did, but I yeah. assumed it was outside. Rich, that doesn't surprise you that, that, that they would build that inside? No, I mean, I, look, I would just say it because we all work in Vancouver Yeah, and Vancouver is so unreliable. And I feel like for that kind of climax, you wouldn't want to roll the dice. How many days were you shooting that sequence? Uh, probably three because. Right. Yeah. So right there. So yeah, you wouldn't right, have consistent right. weather, you know, like. You had to, right. And it does rain. And you, we all look, I live here. I grew up here. It rains from November to sort of April, May. And you really don't have a choice over that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're right. We're a beautiful city, but we're right up against the mountains and those mountains hang on to clouds and we will go weeks and have nothing but right. rain because of that. I worked as a total aside. I worked on a show years ago called beggars and choosers with a complete lunatic. I'll refrain from saying his name, but he actually had it in his contract. He's from LA uh, that they had to fly him home on Friday and they could only fly him back on Monday because he started to go cr even crazier than he already was because the low cloud here, he right. said, I think he was already a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic, but I think, you know, it was making her crazier. He said, I, I can't see the sky. The low clouds are driving me absolutely bananas. And the producers gave it to him because they're like, yeah, you know what? You guys really do get wet for like months at a time. And I'm like, right. yeah, we do. And that's why Vancouver was attractive to all the, the dark shows at the beginning. That's why we got X-Files. That's why we got all these really dark millennial and you know, all that stuff. We got it because of our dark, somber weather and the trees and you can sure. make it really dark and, but yeah. it doesn't help for shooting in a graveyard scene for three days. So yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, gosh, I love your city so much. I love Vancouver, but if you're looking for consistency, this ain't it. You know, like if you're going to be well, one day, if you're going to do three days and you're on this and you want your reverse to not be, you know, not be rainy or different than the other, like you'd build it. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I've always been noticed about Supernatural <clears throat> not just from watching it and also from being involved, they'll spend money on their sets. Yeah. Like they, that's one place where they obviously early on decided, look, the boy, it's a road show. There's no, aside from Roadhouse being an occasional home base, they're like, there's no, there's no right. home set here. So right. we have a car. Yeah. And then we're going to build where the boys are. And, the, and that's where we're going to spend our money. Yeah, yeah because and, uh, yeah, they traveled. Also yeah. makes sense you can control the time if you're inside too, right? You guys don't have to shoot at night. You shoot during the day and make it look like night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they had, I think at the beginning, where they are now, now it's a really busy part of Vancouver. Like there's sound stages. They built, you know, hundreds more now down there. But down there, there wasn't a lot going on. So they had that entire building. I don't know if you guys remember shooting the stages, but they had four oh, huge sure. stages that yeah. were completely theirs to use. And yeah. I don't even think they were that expensive. So, yeah. you know, they had a lot of room to build. So yeah. they did a lot of the, all the indoor, most of the indoor stuff, I think they did there. And, you know, like you said, they're in the car and Bobby's place. And that's kind of yeah. it. We'll be right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. A place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality 
and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and 12 Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit seekanomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Here it's magic. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. You know, something that happened in this episode that I really, I thought you just nailed, and it's a hard thing to play, is when he makes you put the gun to your own head. Yeah. And I've I played that kind of thing before where I'm possessed by something. I know a really bad movie. I'm like possessed by a devil and his devil's making me do it. It's a really hard thing to play where like someone else is putting the trigger to your head and you're like through tears, you're like, kill him, you know, or whatever you're saying, like, you know, I just thought that was really good. Was that, do you remember Very playing well that moment and playing that beat? I do. And I think, who was the director on this? Was it Phil? Oh, I, I thought it was uh, Kim Manners, but maybe. Yeah, yeah, it might have. Yeah, it might have been Kim Manners because Kim Manners directed, I think, a lot of my stuff at the beginning. Rest he in did, peace. Yeah, he was so good. He just knew how to tell you how. To, he just said, "Sam, your hand is not part of you. Remember that. You don't even know what's going on with your hand, and you see this going on. And just the way he explained that, I went, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." He just said, "Yeah, yeah. just imagine right. that your hand has got a mind of its own. You don't even know what it's doing, and you're freaked out right. about what it's doing, but you have." no control over it and go which is what he kind of did so his explanation of what it was just totally worked i know even i i saw little bits of it last night and even me watching i'm like wow ferris that's pretty good that's a long (laughs) you know i'm like oh way to go in the whole yeah the shaking of the hand and then and then yeah yeah, it's it just his direction. I got to give him the credit for that. Well, I was going to say, it's just, you know, th- thinking about that scene, it's just so another thing Supernatural did really well was when effects were new and looked like crap everywhere, their effects looked awesome. Like they were figuring out a way to be ahead of the curve. When you were doing, so you have a lot of effects in that sequence from, I assume, did the gadget on the on the mausoleum door actually move or was that all visual effect? 
No, no, that moved. That totally moved. They had some guys that knew what they were doing, right? Like they, I don't know if Eric, oh, yeah. Eric just knows some of the right people, but they really had some top-notch folks. Right from season two, they had some top-notch folks that really knew what they were doing. So those two things, when you put the gun in, those two things did twist. That's and, amazing. You know, the mausoleum, I mean, they could only, they had to do some particle board. They had to do some heavy or some lighter stuff. But most of that stuff were like the headstones and stuff. They were real headstones. Like you couldn't, took three people to move them. Although I have to say this and this, I will always remember this about this episode. Jim Beaver, we're hiding at one point in time. We're hiding behind a tombstone because the gates of hell have opened. And what is that? It's the gates of hell. And Jim Beaver looks at me and we're just, it's like, we're, you know, they're not rolling yet. They're lighting. And he looks at me and he goes, and we're just hiding behind this styrofoam. And he goes, so nice to know that a styrofoam, you know, board is, is protecting us from the gates of hell. And I just laugh my head off about that. <laughs> it's so true. Because the one we were hiding behind was like, you could flick it with a hand. A two-year-old could pick it up. And he's like, yeah. You realize that this thing is protecting us from the gates, from the of, gates hell. of hell. Right. Know that we've got that behind us. And I laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, now you're describing that set. When you're describing that set, it's to the impart, the outside observer, myself. It looked huge because you, they were like aerial shots of it. You know, of yeah. like for the smoke coming out. Is that am I wrong, or was it a sizable layout? Oh, no, it was the whole stage. I think they used. Oh, I, I missed that part. The whole stage oh, it was, was the, the whole stage. That's holy I mean. smokes! They must have brought in truckloads. They must have had dump trucks just coming in there for hours because I remember walking in and they were very proud of their sets as they should be. They did such an amazing, they didn't fudge anything. They didn't get tacky with anything. They really, as you said, they spent time and money on them. And they, I mean, it really was two feet of dirt. It, they were real trees. Some of them wow. weren't, but there were real trees in there and there were real headstones. And they used little corners of the stage for other scene for other scenes. And just like, you know, let's say one-on-one 50-50 in the dark they'd use a corner of it and not show it or they'd show a tree in the background but no that thing was a full-on graveyard i can't even imagine how long it took to build that and i can't imagine how long it took to to take it down because it is a huge shot and that's one of another thing that kripke just he wasn't going to cheap out on they were going to do those aerial shots yeah absolutely is uh so joe's we always hear about like joe her husband was a hunter wait Ellen, yeah. Ellen. Ellen, not Joe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, no, my jo- everybody gets us mixed up. Hi, Joe. Yeah, it's Ellen. Hi, Joe. Yeah, it's Ellen. And by the way, may, may I say that people confuse me and Rob all the time. So we, yeah. we understand you. Right, we, right. we feel your pain. Oh, look, that's why you grew a mustache. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it- Okay, so we hear about her husband as a hunter and Joe as a hunter, but at this point, Ellen seems to have had experience that have led to a few hunting trips of her own. Yeah. Do you imagine that this is in the character's backstory? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the Winchesters if they ever actually introduce a young Ellen. Because, yeah, I mean, this is she's got confidence for a reason. This woman put this bar together years ago to make it as, you know, ground zero for all these hunters to come and go and get what they need. And I've been doing this for a very, very long time. I'm a seasoned veteran. You can tell nothing scares this woman. She's, you know, large and in charge. She's kicking Mm -hmm. ass. She knows exactly what she's dealing with. She doesn't scare. I mean, she even when she had the gun to her head, she said, kill Kill me. You know what I mean? Kill me. Yeah, yeah. She's capable. So no, she's been doing, I think her backstory. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I don't know what episodes, I, I don't, I'm not going to spoiler it, but there's more to the story later on. There's a bigger oh, part of her relationship with John. And oh, cool. 
you hear it in a fight between my daughter and I. That's all I will say later. And so it does come out. There's a little more history there. But oh, God, yeah. I mean, we never actually say my husband's name, I don't think. But what I guess is implied here is that John knew my husband. You just don't know to what extent, but you will know a little more later. Oh, that's interesting. I really do hope that they, uh, I love prequels in general, but I, you know, the, the idea that the writers are sort of like imagining what brought them to this point. And, uh, so yeah, I love the idea that maybe we might meet the. I would think so. I mean, I don't think I really come in until after Mary's dead and this is young Mary. So we got a long way to go. I would imagine Ellen will come in or maybe they have a little, I hope they have a little story of Ellen because she's kick-ass. You need some kick-ass broads. So a young kick-ass Sam Ferris is not a horrible thing, you know, right. in, yeah. <laughs> in the, in the prequel. I just don't know when and how they're, you know, what do they do? Do they have a wall of all the characters when they're writing? You got to wonder how they do the prequel and they want to go true to form. Cause again, you know, the fans are going to be all over them if they don't, do they have a wall of 500 characters and go, okay, who can we start bringing out? It must be so overwhelming. I, I you gotta, you gotta wonder. I, I've worked on the Winchesters, but not as a director, but I haven't seen the writer's room. So I don't know, because they obviously the writer's room is in LA. Yeah. I, I have no idea. You, you would think, you would think. Yeah. But I it's mean, interesting because I, having worked on that show, one of the writers, I, I'm, I feel like he wasn't born when we started the show, you know, but he's a yeah. huge Supernatural fan. It's a whole different generation right. of young yeah. people who love the show, who are now helming this prequel, which is great. I mean, it's such cool energy. It's Robbie Thompson is the big boss and yeah. he's a veteran of, of the show of, right, of supernatural right, of the mothership as they like to call it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's got a bunch of, you know, it's got a, a new crop of visionaries who were telling the story. And, and I think that's really cool because they really basically, it's like growing up loving the Rolling Stones and then getting called in to produce their next album. You're like, Oh, you wow. know, it, yeah. I think it's really kind of cool. And that yeah. album is going to sound totally different because you've got a perspective from a completely fresh pair of eyes and a new group of people. Have you yeah. seen any of the Winchesters? No, I haven't. Don't judge me. I don't have cable. I'm so busy right now that I'm just like, I just, I don't. I have Netflix and YouTube and, you know, and I'm not even watching that. I don't even know the last time I turned my TV on. So I haven't seen it. You guys have seen it. And are you saying that you've directed an episode already? I have. I, yeah, I did. uh the seventh episode of the season. Wow, they are already at seven. My God, that was fast. They're shooting the. They're shooting. The, it's a thirteen episode yeah. season, and they're shooting episode thirteen right now. Like they're almost done. Isn't that amazing? Well, so it must be so strange for you to see it. It was trippy to be uh, to go back, and it was awesome for starters. Yeah, just because again, you're going to a place where they're like they're they love the original. So you're going to a place where, like, well, maybe, you know, we're, you, you, you're almost perceived as cooler than you really are because, like, oh, you're from the original show. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I sure am. Um, so there's a certain amount of them wanting to look. I mean, you when you look at the recipe of Supernatural, you look at a show that had all the things you already listed that made it lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And then you've got this prequel. And they're like, how do we replicate that? Which you can't do, obviously. So they found a fresh new way of, of, of telling the story with, with a sort of twist of its own. But at the same time, you don't want to steer too far from the mothership because you want to you want to at least draft behind it a little bit and carry some of the, the magic that kept the show fresh and alive and awesome for 15 seasons. So it's interesting being a part of that balance and watching them try to thread that needle and helping them thread that needle. It was very, it was very, very cool. And you had some people, it was interesting, you'd have some people in the crew who haven't ever seen a frame of the show because that's you know they've got, their life was watching other stuff and other people who literally know it like the back of their hand and listen to this podcast like we would 
So you'd have like the, the, the devotees and the people are like, I don't know. You yeah. Know, and, and it kind of a cool mix of, of the old and the new kind of trying to, trying to get it going. And, it, was, it was a really cool experience. And to see a conversation between the old and the new would be so interesting. Let's say two hardcore fans, somebody of the new Winchesters and somebody of the old one, for them to have a conversation about it would be so interesting to watch. Because like you said, it's when some kids, they weren't even born yet. That was 17 years ago or 18 years ago when this show started. It was nothing. It was a couple of sort of unknown young boys doing this supernatural. Everybody's like, supernatural, whatever, that turned into, you know, one of the biggest shows in television and definitely the biggest series and longest running. But you didn't know that at the time. And maybe the Winchesters will be huge. You know, I don't know. I've talked to the fans and you know how hardcore and defensive they are. And a lot of fans, I've heard very little negative. I've heard a lot of people that really genuinely like it, which isn't good to see. That's very good. We have time for one more question. That's a random one. Have you heard that Ellen got her name from Ellen Barkin and the characters that she played? Have you ever heard that? What? <laughs> That's what no. I- God, how did I not know that? Why did nobody tell me that? You know what the funny thing is, is I've been compared to Ellen Barkin before. The strength and the bravado and the, you know, the tits and ass and the whole, you know, tough yeah. broads, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But why did nobody ever tell me that? Kim didn't tell me that. <laughs> Bill didn't tell me that. Maybe they didn't know. That's <laughs> so you know, there's always possible they didn't know. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's a cool Makes piece sense. of trivia, but, but that didn't like... I wouldn't have changed your... No, absolutely not. Oh, you know what? If I'd known that ahead of time, you know what? I'm glad I didn't because Ellen became Ellen. I don't know. Because I probably... Yeah, I mean, you, you get in your head about things. Actors do that. Big shock. You know, why would I have gone and watched a whole bunch of Ellen Barkin stuff? Maybe. Would it, would my character have been different? Maybe. I don't know. So maybe I'm glad. Maybe they didn't want to tell me for that exact reason. I, I'm flattered. I think that's fabulous. But I had no idea that it was based on Ellen Barkin, who's blonde yeah. and loaded. And was married <laughs> really hot. So I, maybe I can follow him a little more <laughs> regularly. There you go. Yeah. Well, either way, we loved your performance in the show. Yeah. Look forward so to great. seeing what happens next. And uh, thanks so much for coming on and, and talking to us. Thanks for having me, guys. Good luck. Hey, this is Jensen. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Uh, but we need to pull over for a second for some messages. And I got to take a leak. Hey, guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means, free stuff. Free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date. So don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. 
All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice, if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week, and it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am, really, and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then, oh, get this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com SPNTAN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash S-P-N-T-A-N. Thanks for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. Well, that was so great, talking to Sam Ferris. It's nice to have her on. Man, lovely. Now we've had all three of the Harvells gang on. We've had That's right. Alona Tall. We've had Chad Lindbergh. And now we've had Samantha Ferris. We've completed the trilogy of Harvell folk. Just in time to burn it all down. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> oh well. Adios, Harvells. <laughs> well, um, hey, guess what time it is? It's time to get ill. One, no, eight. Hold on. What time is it? Mythology. 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 Okay, so the Devil's Gate is the name of a rock formation in Wyoming. It was carved in granite by a slow-moving river. Ooh, slow-moving river. I call those lazy rivers, and I like to sit in them on in an inner tube with a drink in my hand. No, is that, can you say that a, a river carves something? I that's guess what, so. That's what it does. It kind of weaves its way through against the rock, right. carving its way right. to its destination. For many rivers, that destination is the sea. <laughs> Uh, however, several other Devil's Gates exist throughout the Western U- United States. They're typically just mountain passes with high steep sides. Or in your case, your Velcro fly. <laughs> Is my Devil's Gate? <laughs> um, so just a quick note about the mythology section in this episode. <laughs> that, that's it. That's all we have. Uh, so don't get too invested. Uh, yeah, that's all we have. It's just a devil's gate. I hope you can just sit down with a cup of coffee and <laughs> put your feet out. Ready that was for my a, favorite portion. A, my favorite section. A lo- Honey, don't talk to me for a while. It's the mythology <laughs> portion of the show. Uh, okay. Well, you know what? Whatever. We don't need any more mythology because we've got fun Though it was featured in season one, episode 21, Salvation, this is the first time Carry On My Wayward Son was used in a season finale. What? The song goes on to open every 
season finale. As it should. It's a great song by the band Kansas. Kansas. So wait a minute. Does that mean the song doesn't open every show? Just season finales? You know it doesn't open every show. Oh, yeah. There's no theme song, Supernatural. Yeah, I know. The, I just super, always thought it was Supernatural's theme song is... Exactly. What other fun facts, Rich? Well, for Dean's monologue to Sam's dead body, the director cleared the set so that Jensen could have privacy in getting to such an emotional point for his performance. Well, whatever they did, they did it right because it's a great, great scene, great acting by Jensen. Absolutely. And as an actor, there's nothing more, for me personally, there's nothing more uh, like the pressure's on. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like clearing a set and then going, okay, cry. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we've done all this work so that you could get there emotionally. So get there emotionally. Yeah, and I got to say, good for Jensen for pulling that off because he wasn't getting anything from Sam. Sam just was lying there. I mean, Jared just was lying there. I know. He might as well have been dead. Oh, he's like, he's dead. Crazy. <laughs> Sam shooting Jake is the first time Sam kills a human who isn't possessed by a supernatural being. Okay. So yeah, but, uh boy, this old argument. There Jake, beautifully played by Aldous Hodge, by the way, is... Still, he's a like strong like Hulk. It's not like he was just a crossing guard and Sam unloaded on him. Like everybody's all like, "Oh, Sam's looking weird." Sam's, Sam's protecting. It's Sam's family. not acting like Sam. You forget who we're talking about. Like if I had done that, if there were me, I wouldn't. Nobody like, would be surprised. The headline would read, "As suspected, Rob goes berserk." And then in the interview, Rich called it would be the subheadline. You know, there's a lot of cocking in this episode. You would notice that. I'm just telling you. There's a whole lot of cocking. The cult is cocked three times. That's one cock, two cocks, and yes, three cocks. But it's only fired once. And That's right. And like me off this podcast, I'll only be fired once. <laughs> but cocked quite a few times. Right now I'm half cocked. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this wrap-up. And thank you, join us. thank you for joining us this season. Oh, man. Oh, what a... What a great season it was. What a great season it was. Season two was so good. I can't imagine the show can sustain this. It was too good. But, but, but it, it will. We know it will for 13 more seasons. But also, we will sustain this season in an additional podcast coming to you next week where what? we'll be talking a wrap-up of season two. So join us for the season two wrap-up. Oh, man, I can't wait to record that. That'll be fine. Yeah, right? Um, everybody, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, pretty please. And more importantly, join us on Patreon, where we post videos and clips and photos, and there's there's live streams, all kinds of great stuff going on on Patreon. Get your booty on over there and join us, won't you? See and you. we will see you next week. And we will see you next week. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include Samantha Ferris, Jim Beaver, Frederick Lane, Aldous Hodge, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Anna Grauer. All Hell Breaks Loose Part 2 was written by Eric Kripke. Story by Eric Kripke and Michael T. Moore. Directed by Kim Manners. Editing by David Ekstrom. Music by Christopher Leonards. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs. Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas and Don't Look Back by Boston. This episode originally aired on May 17th, 2007. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Heida Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Benedict? Music provided by Tim Wynn. This episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter, won't you? At SBN Then and Now. 
Become a member of the podcast at www.patreon.com slash SPN then and now. Bye. Hey, 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 everybody. Rob Benedict. Hey, oh my Rich. gosh. I didn't know you were wow. going to be here. Glad you could join us. Dude, this is the first time people are getting to see the inside of Fartoon Studios live. Yeah. Well, maybe not the first, but uh, yeah. Live. Live. Well, live. Yeah, that's right. Live. 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 Story Mill Media. 